Welcome to episode nine of I Quit, the podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs about the scariest day in their life, the day they quit their job. I'm your host, Mike Morrison, giving it all up so you can have it all. I honestly feel like I started this podcast because I wanted to tell stories like our next one. Rhonda Law owns a company called Bark, which sells a line of dog treats and accessories. She didn't go to school for it, quite the opposite actually, but over the past couple of years, she made big and bold decisions that led her on a career that she never saw coming. Today we talked to Rhonda about how she quit her job and sold her house, all so she could become her own top dog. Hi Rhonda, thank you for coming on our podcast. Have you done podcasts before? No. No? This is your first podcast? Very first. Come on. Popped my podcast cherry. Oh, okay. Can I say that? Yeah. You can say, that's the point of podcast. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. I find that surprising because you're such a interesting business owner that I, and podcasting is so popular in the business world. I would thought, hope, maybe after this, you'll be in demand. Yeah. I, I've had one request from Australia, but I just didn't think it was a good fit. Okay. Um in terms of what they were looking for in terms of content, but yeah. obviously I can't turn you down. <laughs> no, oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm very threatening demeanor. Um, <laughs> so tell us, so people, people. Uh, this is Rhonda Love from Bark. Uh, tell us what your, what your, what's your title? Are you president of Bark, CEO of Bark? What's? So I am the crazy dog lady and designer behind Bark. Uh, I have three sight hounds and uh, my oldest guy, Bruno, is my inspiration behind Bark, mm-hmm. and he's kind of what got me started behind Bark. So, that's tell me. people what Bark is. What what do, what do you sell? So um, nowadays, I have a premium pet biscuit line, and that's what I initially started out with first. Um, and but now it's expanded to pet accessories and lifestyle products for crazy pet people like myself. <laughs> yeah. And j- just dogs or all pets? Like what do you- We're expanding into the cat yes. line because so many people have asked. So I've actually made bandanas specific to cat sizes. Oh my gosh. Because people haven't stopped asking. My friend was She's like- She's talking about me. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I email her every week. <laughs> yeah, and people have been like, maybe you should change your name to Bark and Friends. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll still do, I'll do cat stuff. Yeah. But I'm not changing the name. That's an interesting question maybe later or another different business podcast is what do you do when your your company is Bark, so it's associated with dogs, but then you add other products. Mm-hmm. Do you rename or do you just go with it? Or I think at this point, I you know, Bark is short and simple. Mm-hmm. I've already established that name in the community that I just wouldn't change it. Yeah. yeah. So I ran into you a few weeks ago, and sometimes when I'm thinking of people I want to have on this podcast, because to figure out if people have quit their jobs or not, which is sort of the theme of this podcast, you know, you sort of have to inter- casually interview them a bit. So I was at your shop in the East Village, and I was, I was like, how did you start doing, or what did you do before this? And you started telling me your story, and I said, hold on, I want you to come on the podcast, because <laughs> it's, it's really, to me, what I one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was hearing from people who were doing one thing and then had a feeling, and this is what we'll talk about, had this reaction to wanting to change it and do something completely different, even though all the signs of life, you're going down a different path. And so um, I wanted to talk to you. So what did you do before that you, before you started uh, Bark? So before Bark, I was a mental health outreach nurse. 
Um, I had been in that position for about five years at that point. You know, I was content there, but it really wasn't fostering that creative drive that I've always had. Coming from Asian parents, I already was a letdown. I was not a doctor. <laughs> Settled to be a nurse. <laughs> so okay. they're already disappointed. Oh, totally, so, okay, right? Great. So then right. when I jumped into entrepreneurship, they're like, well, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's already failed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was a mental health nurse, uh, worked out of uh, downtown Calgary, serviced um, clients who had schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. It was kind of like a social work nurse kind of role, kind of wore so many different hats. I would help people, um, you know, clean their apartments, just teach them how do you maintain housing so I don't have to find you a new apartment mm-hmm. in two months. Yeah. I would do their injections, uh, get them into the clinic to see doctors, but also do things that would improve their quality of life, like take them hiking, you know, take them for a walk around the Bow River. We've taken our clients to art museums before. Um, just, we did really great work that enriched these these individuals that had kind of been left behind in mm-hmm. so the mental doing, healthcare system. You were doing really important work, really fulfilling work. It definitely was, but, um, it, it just didn't, I didn't feel like I could integrate the creativity that I felt like I had, this potential I had, mm-hmm. into the role that I, that I was in as a nurse. Um, so I already was feeling um, that I no longer kind of fit in, into the workplace vibe there mm-hmm. um I just felt like I just you know I was heading down a different path I just didn't know what and it kind of so is that like sorry was that like a voice in your head or it was kind gut? of like a heart feeling okay. right where you go you go to work but then you're kind of daydreaming yeah <laughs> at a job where you really need to be super hypercritical and attentive right um and I just found myself just driving you know to the next patient's house thinking what can I do I'm so you know kind of bored and at that time, we had adopted our dog, Bruno, who is a blind greyhound, which is kind of funny because he's a sight hound. Um, and he was so picky. So I started baking him treats, you know, just just to see what he would like because we were wasting hundreds of dollars at the pet store, buying him all these crazy expensive brands that he would just turn his nose to. So at that point, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll make some for my coworkers, make some for my neighbors and friends. And then... The demand for them was actually quite high because I was making them grain-free, and I didn't realize that a lot of these dogs had these allergies. Oh. So that was a whole new world. Some a lot of dogs are gluten-free, grain-free. It's, oh. it's crazy. I didn't know um, that. Me neither until I started, yeah. right? <laughs> so that's when I realized look, there's this niche market for these premium pet products that don't have all this crap and fillers in it. So I did it kind of just for fun, just so I can like kind of tickle that creative itch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize that there would be this potential that it could actually be a business, more than just a tiny little side hustle. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even call it a side hustle. It was just, you know, I was doing something for fun yeah. that relieved the stress and anxiety I was getting from my nursing job. So mm, a few months later, I reached out to Market Collective and I said, you know what, I've never really seen pet products at your market. I don't even think it'd be a good fit. But just let me know, like, is there anything I can do to change my branding or whatnot that, you know, maybe one day I could join your market? Because I had been going to Market Collective since they started. Yeah. Um, a Market Collective, for people who don't know, is a market that takes place here in Calgary, usually downtown Calgary area, and features dozens, if not hundreds, of local Alberta vendors selling 
every kind of product. Yeah, it's it's amazing and such an inspiring place to be. And I remember, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in high school, that's how that's how old Market Collective was. In high school, I'd be going to Market Collective and being so inspired by these local Calgarians who, you know, who were adding so much culture mm-hmm. uh, and art to our city that I felt was kind of dry in in you know in that aspect back then and just thinking wow wouldn't it be so amazing if one day i could have a business and be in market collective um so angel or angel have reached out to me and they're like actually you know this is this actually would fit into our market and someone just pulled out last minute this is you know would you be willing to join our market so i was like yes and i didn't sleep for like three weeks so i just had to so 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 and and bake um and that's when i realized there is a demand for pet products yep. in Calgary. Um, and like I said, at that point, I didn't even think about sales outside of Calgary. I just thought, holy crap, people in Calgary love their dogs. Um, so I had started an Etsy shop, and then that's when it had really grown. And you're lot. still doing your other job all at the same time, right? So how are you managing the time aspect of it? I didn't. I just okay. I uh, just worked. I yeah. literally when I woke up, I wake up around four or five, bake and sew, go to work. At lunch, I would do my emails, update my Etsy shop, go back home, and then do it all over again, sleep mm. for a couple hours at night. So it wasn't healthy and obviously wasn't going to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And at that point, um, there were so many factors that went into it, but my mental health really took a turn for the worse, where I was really suffering through depression and anxiety. And it was really difficult because coming from a mental health pro- profession, um, I didn't feel like I was supported at my work. Okay. through people who, that's their job, right? To identify this and support individuals who are having these mental health um, crises. So that was my breaking point where I was like, you know what, things just aren't healthy and I need to choose one or the other. I can't have it all. And that's when you know, I said, well, I've already disappointed my dad already with <laughs> being a nurse. Yeah. Why not make dog treats? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 did they come around? Are your parents on board? Um, you know what? <laughs> I think. <laughs> you know, I thought you'd be like, of course they did. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I've learned that, you know, you can't please everyone. No. And sometimes it hurts the most when it's family that you can't please. But such is life, right? You're yeah. not living for them. Think of all the people you right. are pleasing. And all the dogs. All the dogs. Exactly. <laughs> Think of all the dogs. That's more important. Than and people. cats. And cats. And cats, yeah. <laughs> um, so your job obviously, you know, had you had good pay, you had benefits, you had, you know, a nice a nice life in terms of that. And then you, you decide you're going to make this hard choice and go to the world of entrepreneurship. How did you rationalize the big difference in in money and benefits and all those sorts of things? Well, it really came down to saying, what do I want out of this life? And I'm still asking that question every day um, because I think, you know, life is so dynamic and there's so many different influences that come in out of our lives. So at that point, I was like, what do I need most? And at that point, it was my mental health. I didn't care about paid vacations. I didn't care about the flexibility of my job because my job as an outreach mental health nurse was so flexible. It didn't have the rigidity 
rigidity. I don't know either. Oh my That's gosh. Fine. I get what you said. <laughs> of a hospital. <laughs> like it wasn't structured, right? We actually had a lot um, of autonomy in making our, our schedules and seeing our clients. And this was a job that a lot of nurses wanted. They mm-hmm. wanted out of the hospital and into a community job that was nine to five, Monday to Friday. Did you feel guilty having that job that people wanted? Yes. Yeah. And that actually dragged out my stay at my last, at my mental health job because I felt, you know, this is what so many people strive for. They work so hard to get this experience in mental health to move on to a community program. And I felt like I'd really done good work there and built such great relationships with the clients. That was the hardest part was leaving my patients Mm -hmm. because some of these patients I've had for almost as long as my term there. And you know, a lot of these clients, they don't have family. They, their families have left them after they've suffered this mental health crisis and turmoil in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was the hardest part, was actually the guilt more so about leaving my patients than it was leaving this awesome salary job. Mm-hmm. But part of it is probably, if your mental health isn't where it should be, how are you able to help people in similar situations, right? Exactly, exactly. Like, how can you care for others when you can't care for, you know, can't mm-hmm. tend to your own garden? Yeah. So um, that was a big driving factor, too, was that asking myself, honestly, am I being the best nurse I can be? Am I providing the best care that my clients deserve and need? And ultimately, it's so hard to say, you know what, I'm not. I'm really not, and that other people can suffer and and hurt because I'm not at my best. And that's when you really need to step away because the, you know, this is someone's life mm-hmm. that, we're, that we're dealing with, right? So I think that was a really big driving force too. Yeah, so um, thank you so much for being so honest about this. This is really, I think a lot of people are gonna hear this and even if it's not about mental health, it's, it, it, to me it's about having that conversation of are you as happy at work as possible? Mm-hmm. You know, what are you doing at your work and how does your personal life affect your work and vice versa? I think that's a really honest conversation to be having. Yeah, the biggest driving force at that point was my mental health. So I had left my nursing job eventually um, after a lot of back and forth. And of course, I, I, I looked at my sales. I looked at it strategically, right? Mm-hmm. Am I getting the sales I need to maintain, you know, what I thought was the lifestyle that I wanted? Well, flash forward about a year later when I discovered something called minimalism. And oh, yeah. I thought, holy crap. Like, what am I doing here? I, I had this huge house in Killarney with this huge mortgage. I was working, you know, Bark is doing well, but I'm working so much, not because I really wanted to work, take on all that work, but because I had this big mortgage to pay. And we had two cars. It, it didn't make sense. We don't have kids, we don't want kids. Why are we living in a three-bedroom house mm-hmm. in Killarney? Um, and that was <clears throat> when I realized that just my values were not weren't in line with what I was doing for work, right? Do I mean like I I really wanted to slow down and ask myself, why am I working so much and what for? Yes, I'm doing something something I enjoy, but I am working these ludicrous hours and saying yes to every single thing that came my way. Why? Was it to keep up with the Joneses? Mm-hmm you know did I really really need two cars there's that societal pressure though right it is about getting that house it is you think especially in a a city like Calgary the concept of being able to live without a car is 
it's almost like you're insulting Calgary or something. Like exactly. It's, yeah. So two car. We're we're one car. So we one car between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, there is that there is that pressure. And so what did you do to change? So we ended up selling my house. We didn't need that square footage. Mm-hmm. It wasn't responsible for us to live in such a large house. And just like responsible, might maybe financially, but also like uh, in terms of our our um, our footprint on the world, on the, the world, the yeah. environment. Right? Um, it just didn't make sense. Like the energy that that house took up to run just didn't it didn't make sense. It didn't feel right. So we sold the house not because we couldn't afford it but because it just didn't make sense i realized i was like why did i want to be an entrepreneur and i'd never really asked myself that question it was i was almost forced into taking bark full time when my mental health wasn't well so i didn't really have a a good grip on why am i doing this other than the fact that i enjoyed it and it was fun and dogs are cute so i had to really ask myself and i then when i asked myself those tough questions it was because i valued spending time outdoors on my bike spending time with my dogs and at that point when i was working so many hours with bark full time i was neglecting my relationship with my spouse i was neglecting my own personal growth because i just wanted to see my business flourish Um, So by selling our house, I sold my car because I already had my bike and I was barely using my car and I'm a terrible driver. Um, You're welcome, Calgary. (laughs) Should have paid me to take my car off the road. <laughs> I like the I like that you admitting that that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know being honest here. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Not a good driver. By doing that, I was able to really scale back on my work and focus more on what my priorities are. And as soon as I did that, I actually saw my creativity, you know, soar through the roof again because I had more time to sit down and and put out products that I love and work with all these artists in Calgary that I've always wanted to work with and collaborate with, but I just didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting for entrepreneurs that might be listening to this. I mean, it's it's refreshing for me to even think about what am I doing those things? What am I guilty of? Am I neglecting things in my life? Because it is, it's and when you're an entrepreneur, it's addictive to work, mm-hmm. you know, and you need to work to make money. It's not guaranteed that you're going to make money next week. So it becomes this precarious balancing act of trying to get work and enjoy, you know, what it's what it means to be an entrepreneur, but also not neglect what's important in your life. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah, I, you know, like you said in Calgary, it's kind of a hard thing to do to, to simplify. Um, I think there are some very successful people in Calgary and our friends work in oil and gas. We have friends who are lawyers and dentists. So, you know, subconsciously, I did a lot of comparison with, you know, with my friends um, to say, you know, well, they have this big house in Martelloup. They have two vehicles. I feel like, you know, I should too. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, you know? Isn't that what we do subconsciously is yeah, compare yeah. ourselves to, to, to our friends and the people around us? And I realized one day, my friends aren't that happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, friends. But <laughs> we won't name them. It's fine. And that's when I was like, you know, what am I really doing this for? And through this process of minimizing and simplifying, um, I've really been able to actually be better at my work and I've, more opportunities have come my way because I've because I just have more time mm-hmm. and um, time doesn't time doesn't always come easy as an entrepreneur right like 
you feel like you have to have this crazy busy schedule and when you go on Instagram stories you see everyone who's sharing all this work that they're pushing out look at my post office run I just mailed off like a thousand packages and this is my new office look I have an office now I've made it and I was like oh am I making it am I busy enough we're all sort of sabotaging each other in a way by maybe sort of pretending how much busier we are when maybe it's a quiet day and we feel guilty for having a quiet day but you know, maybe we were up till 3 a.m. working on something else, like a different project. And yeah, that, that pressure to be an entrepreneur is, is the biggest competitor often is other entrepreneurs, even if it's different fields, right? Mm-hmm. It just feels like everyone's working. If you take one hour off, you're falling behind. Totally. And we, you know, and I often listen to people say, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. And there's this societal glorification of busy. Busy isn't always a good thing. Busy doesn't mean you're being productive. Mm -hmm. Because for that year that I was working Bark full time and I was busy, so busy, I didn't feel like I was actually making the best quality quality time or use out of my time. I wasn't making the best use out of my time, even though I was busy. Yeah, that's so interesting. I love the time element. Okay, so we have to get going, but Rhonda, what would you say to people who um, are listening right now and maybe maybe trying to scratch that creative itch that they have? What do you think they should do to pursue that? I think from, you know, learning from my mistakes, I think the first thing they need to ask themselves are what do you truly value in life? And what does your ideal best life and best you look like? I think once you identify that, then you can start to build a life, not just a business, but build a life around that. Um, Instead of just jumping into, I wanna be an entrepreneur. Uh, You really need to ask yourself, what do you value? And if I would have asked myself that first, I feel like I would actually be more successful than I am right now. If I would have just taken that time to really dig deep and ask myself, you know, what means most to me? Yeah, no, exactly. That's the same thing. Even that evolution of, you know, from when I left my job to what I'm doing now is completely different, right? And I wish I had focus more on the things that I knew I would be interested in as opposed to feeling like I still had to keep that nine to five element going. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is that you don't have to say yes to everything. Um, it takes more work and more self-control to actually say no. And yes, you're going to disappoint other people, but that time that you lose by saying yes to everyone, that stress and pressure that you put yourself in, you, you can't take that time back. So I think when you learn, when you identify what you value most right off the bat, then it makes saying no easier and identifying what projects and what collaborations would best suit your brand and your business instead of saying yes to everything. I really don't think that there is a benefit to saying yes to everything. Oh man, I could just talk to you forever. Thank you so much. I, fe- I don't use this word lightly, but you are really an inspirational entrepreneur. So thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me, Mike. <laughs> Well, that's a wrap on this episode of I Quit. Thank you so much to our guest, Rhonda Law. If you'd like to hear more about her story, you can follow her on Twitter at BarkYYC or on Instagram at shop.bark. If you have any questions or comments for me, my handle is at Mike's Bloggity, or you can visit our website at iquitpodcast.ca. Until next time.